actually the documentation should be the first thought, not the afterthought. Uh, it can really make or break a situation when everyone's looking back on it later and there's a he said, she said, and you have no documentation to show what exactly occurred. Skinny Podcast with Trisha Verita. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that? Look, there's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also, remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. the Legal Skinny Brief Documentation Why. So the reason this is called Documentation Why is because sometimes I feel like, um, you know, documentation can sort of fall by the wayside when employers um, are trying to figure out um, how to best approach a situation. They, they, are so concerned about the situation with the employee that they're maybe trying to solve or whatever the HR issue may be, maybe with the workforce in general, that the documentation becomes sort of um, an afterthought. And I think that it's important to always remember that actually the documentation should be the first thought, not the afterthought. Uh, It can really make or break a situation when everyone's looking back on it later and there's a he said, she said, and you have no documentation to show what exactly occurred. You know, what were the communications that happened between HR and the employee? It can be confusing, you know, because sometimes maybe the management that originally was there when the decisions were made for this particular employee might no longer be employed. Uh, So if there's no documentation and you're just relying on, you know, whoever's potential information is and their, you know, verbal testimony about it, that could really hurt the situation as to for the employer to really make have a full understanding of what exactly happened with certain employees and you know 
what the best situation and um, action plan is moving forward. So uh, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit more about like the actual specific documents that, you know, are commonplace. And, you know, a lot of employers don't have, you know, the documentation there. Uh, and they may be asking themselves, documentation, why? You know, where does it all kind of fall in? And isn't the most important thing to sort of, you know, handle the situation appropriately versus worry about all the documentation? I think that kind of comes up, especially in, you know, sometimes in HR situations, things are rushed, decisions need to be made. And, you know, uh, I think that that's sort of a confusing issue when you're trying to figure out okay, can I just sort of fix and, and put the documentation in place later? And sometimes you can if it's appropriate, but sometimes you can't. And so uh, it should be top of mind when trying to determine, you know, how to deal with employees and how to communicate with them or how to make sure that certain situations were documented. It's also important in the training piece um, when trying to figure out how you can accurately um, train management to have an understanding of the importance of documentation. You know, you could know documentation is um, incredibly important and have all the, the blank documents in place to be filled out. But if nobody's filling them out, uh, then uh, what's what good is that uh, to have, you know, maybe higher up management uh, or the owner of the company or the CEO of the company know how important documentation is, but, you know, the lower level managers don't. Uh, so uh, it's also important because documentation isn't just for management and uh, the higher ups in a company, but also for the employees to understand it's a way for them to communicate and ask for things. So documentation on, you know, certain types of leave, documentation on, you know, whether or not they're going to be um, needing to just take, um, you know, a sick day or uh, whether or not, you know, they want to um, provide some information related to, you know, their job or how to communicate other different things to the employer. It, it can be key so that, you know, both ways the documentation can provide an accurate sort of employee file and accurate HR files. Uh, it's very helpful, of course, um, in the key piece of the first documentation would be to have handbooks. Uh, um, or a singular handbook. Um, I mentioned multiple handbooks because sometimes there's a safety handbook, you know, that may have OSHA specific related information uh, separate or some sort of particular, uh, if it's a, um, a certain type of industry job, uh, industry requirements uh, that may be separate from the actual HR policies that may apply to everyone in the company. But um, certainly the handbook policies and having those written down can be very important documentation, evidence of what the employer's intentions are. And then of, sort, of course, having a handbook that hasn't been given to the employees isn't helpful. <laughs> so uh, some type of acknowledgement by the employee, you know, helps the employer know that they communicated to the employee what it is that they um, have policies on and what those policies are and what the expectations are for the employees to follow those. This can all be uh, really important because that documentation then leads itself into the next documentation, which would be, you know, the disciplinary documentation. So while discipline may happen outside of a handbook policy, 
uh, for whatever reason, maybe it's a performance related issue or some other issue, but sometimes and often handbook policies are used in the disciplinary documentation. And so, you know, you're already sort of behind the eight ball if you don't have the handbook policies in order to lead into the sort of disciplinary documentation. Now, some states um, have different rules related to what policies employers need to have um, versus others, but it's certainly um, important to understand that, you know, if you don't have the policies, then, you know, it's hard to sort of say later that you effectively tried to communicate those to the employee. You can always say that there was a verbal policy there. It's just sort of, you know, uh, what is the evidence of it? Who made the verbal policy? Who communicated that? And all the information related to that can be um, sort of this sort of ambiguity and vagueness that, you know, you really probably want to try to avoid when you're really trying to create a workforce that has knowledge and understanding of what the policies of the company are. Now, when you get to the issues of discipline, there's several types of discipline uh, that can often occur with employers. One of those that you'll see maybe is like this verbal warning. And, you know, sometimes employers debate whether or not they should give verbal warnings. Uh, they do this sort of document to the file. Sometimes uh, that may be the only thing that's appropriate because there's a time issue and, you know, there's not time to create the written documentation. But, you know, a written warning where an employee acknowledges receipt of it, of course, is always going to show more and and, and be um, less easy, less um, issue with being challenged as to whether or not it's what everyone agreed was actually put out and, and documented as the discipline versus a verbal warning, which sometimes is just sort of a one-sided statement written down by management later at some point about what exactly occurred and what they communicated to the employee. You know, later the employee may say, well, that's not how I remember the discipline going, or I think they didn't tell me that, or they may just completely altogether say that there was no discipline. So the verbal warning documents of the file, you know, um, getting into that as the regular way that you're documenting may not be um, the most accurate way to create a disciplinary documentation for that uh, employee. So considering how you can find the time to create written warning documentation would be um, probably something that most employers and HR professionals would find to be preferred. Of course, the documentation, um, if you're going to be conducting any reviews, especially if you're using those reviews as a basis for whether or not you're going to give reviews or, uh, I mean, sorry, give bonuses or any type of raises. Uh, and that can be key later when you're looking back at why certain people were given raises or why certain people um, were given an opportunity at different positions, because maybe those quarterly or annual reviews, however you're doing them, you know, really showed evidence that the individual employee was very successful at their management style, or they were very successful at performing, you know, those essential functions of that job, and they exceeded expectations, and all that kind of can come out in those reviews. Uh, um, it's very often, though, that sometimes employers don't do annual reviews, and they may just sort of give discretionary bonuses all the same to um, the employee workforce, or maybe based on some type of seniority or some other issue 
um, related to performance. But if you don't have those annual reviews, then later on, it may be difficult to remember why, you know, certain people got certain positions or certain people got certain uh, bonuses. And so sometimes that's why those reviews are often tied to the decisions made to the bonuses or um, again, uh, access to different positions. So uh, policy documentation, again, is, is another piece that employers may wanna look at. When you have handbook policies, you may have to have other policy documentations outside of that. Uh, those policy documents may relate to, you know, temporary policies that you have, for instance, you know, okay, you know, this summer we're going to, um, you know, give a floating holiday, but it's not going to be, and you know, happen every year. It's just because, you know, certain things happen and the company is allowing for it. So those type of policy documents and, and providing that to the employee in a written format can be important. So you remember later on that you did it. Sometimes when you, you know, run a company for, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, what you did in the past can become a little blurry. <laughs> or you may have multiple different types of um, management styles. And so making sure that all management is sort of uh, treating everyone the same and that there's, you know, no issue with um, how uh, certain people are getting these benefits or certain people are getting those benefits. If you have some sort of documentation related to any sort of temporary policies as well, or notices to the employee, those can be key pieces to kind of making sure that you are treating uh, the workforce in a non-discriminatory manner. Investigations are another key piece that you may see with documentation. So when an investigation is conducted, of course, you would wanna actually have some sort of a documentation that you conducted the investigation. Uh, and when I'm talking about investigations, usually uh, these are uh, complaints made by the employee or some sort of um, accident or um, uh, occurrence, making the employer need to conduct an investigation to sort of determine if there's some facts there that can lend themselves to whether or not a certain employee needs to be disciplined or whether or not they need to be terminated or whether or not there was some type of discrimination or something that occurred so that the employer can make decisions about how uh, they will determine the next steps for the employer to take. So if you conduct an investigation and you don't have any documentation of what it is you were doing during the investigation and who you interviewed and what those people said, that can get pretty confusing pretty quickly. Clearly during the investigation, multiple people might be interviewed. And as you go through that interview of, of those individuals, you may have to go back and then re-interview certain individuals if you know some of the facts don't add up. Well, having clear documentation through that can be a, a key piece to sort of patching it all together. And also remember that, you know, memories aren't perfect. And so uh, if you're relying on memory, that can be um sort of a disadvantage because when this investigation may be significant later on down the road, you don't know. So it could be a year or two from now and all the things that, and all the people that were interviewed, they may no longer be there. Or again, like I discussed, the management that conducted the investigation may not be there. So figuring out what documentation is going to be part of the investigation should happen 
uh, right at the beginning. And, and then it should be, um, you know, properly kept throughout the course of the investigation to the get to the end to the conclusion of any determinations that might be made, especially so that if there is a determination that's made outside of that investigation, you know, employers will have some documentation to kind of back up why that determination was made. Another type of documentation that employers may be looking at having are types of leave. So FMLA leave or leave that's needed as an accommodation under the Americans with Disabilities Act, or just vacation leave or sick leave, or PTO. So um, again, uh, that can be uh, pretty tricky if you aren't documenting. Now, nowadays, a lot of employers maybe use apps for the, some of this type of stuff. Um, certainly, if they uh, have time being put in through an app, there may be a way for the employee to request a sick day or vacation, but you know, there's some legal requirements that um, certain types of leave may need to be met, um, if, especially if there's some sort of medical documentation that's needed. So all those kinds of things can help the employer sort of create uh, a clear paper trail so that individual employees are treated the same in the similar type leave situations and so that there are uh, no discriminatory practices and that there's no issue of retaliation so that everyone knows, you know, hey, um, you know, we have to be careful that we, you know, don't retaliate against anyone who, you know, is taking protected leave and, you know, we make sure that they can come back and get their position if it's FMLA or other types of issues related to that. And the documentation can kind of aid the employer maybe in helping with all that. Another uh, type of documentation, which is important, and these um, kind of can be combined, are the safety issues uh, that may occur. Uh, while clear, again, policies on safety are helpful for the employer to sort of communicate what's expected, maybe what's required even, uh, you know, certain things related to OSHA, certain particular requirements, uh, state law or federal law or local laws. And so uh, having some type of policies related to those safety issues and then how to report issues with safety. So those might be, you know, accidents that occur. Uh, sometimes investigations come out of those safety issues as well. So uh, having the clear policy of how you report that and some documentation for the employee to fill out can be very important. Also, if some safety issue is reported, having a documentation to give to the employee is also important for the management. So it's not all, again, just sort of a verbal discussion and everyone's looking back later trying to figure out what exactly was said and who reported what and what exactly, um, you know, were the circumstances surrounding the particular situation. Uh, with insurance, uh, they often require some of these types of documentation. And so um, the liability related to that and whether insurance is going to feel like um, you properly documented it for them or they may come and do their own sort of investigation. Sometimes initial documentation will be needed in order for you to sort of trigger those insurance claims. And so um, having an understanding of what documentation is needed uh, is also something employers should consider. And then of course, uh, termination notices is uh, something that um, may not be required per se, but if you don't have a termination notice um, later on, maybe in the unemployment hearing, or uh, if there's any um, sort of um, claim made by the employee, 
you know, what the circumstances were surrounding the termination or even sometimes the resignation uh, without documentation can be confusing and it can kind of set the employer back if they haven't, you know, attempted to try to get clear documentation so that uh, the file is complete uh, upon the employee separation from work. So uh, quite a few different things. Uh, this is why I always say, you know, documentation, why? Well, documentation can be key, right? And, and always kind of thinking, can I document this? How can I document that? And what can I do to sort of put all that together? Uh, that's kind of, um, that's the legal skinny on documentation, why? So thanks for joining me and have a great day. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also, check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer for the employer. Also, disclaimer, remember Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only. Not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.